going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at ImmaxSports. Instagram is also at ImmaxSports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 110, and we got a beauty here for you because not only did we have a wild NFL week, we had a wild MLB weekend, and... It's the NBA preview episode two because first game is about to start here pretty soon. We got a lady screaming about something on TNT, but I'm sure the game will start soon. Yeah, uh, we go, man. Exactly. It's 4:27 p.m. here on October 18th of 2022. Pacific Standard. Pacific Standard Time, of course. Let's just get started. Let's just go into the opener, and for my opener, how can I not? pick saturday sports man saturday was a amazing day for sports college football had some great games Skyler will talk more about yep. one specifically in his opener but we had a whole bunch of top 25 matchups and then the mlb playoffs man i think i watched 12 13 hours of baseball on saturday which is crazy and it's not just any baseball it's very meaningful we had to see three teams advance to the championship series in the morning game we saw the phillies beat the braves in the second game we saw houston beat seattle in that 18 inning marathon game where jeremy pena hit that go-ahead home run in the 18th inning after that we had the guardians and the yankee game and that was the game when oscar gonzalez got that walk-off base hit and then we got the nightcap with the Padres taking down the Dodgers. We'll talk all about those series and those teams more specifically later on in the show. But Saturday sports, man, how could you not love that? I agree. You know, I have a specific moment from Saturday sports. That's my pick. It was Tennessee's 52 to 49 win over Alabama. Uh, this one was amazing. You know, we weren't sure if Bryce Young was going to play or not, but it didn't matter because Hennon Hooker, Tennessee quarterback, stole the show. And over 400 total yards, five touchdowns, and uh, they got the game-winning field goal at the end and did it. So now Tennessee's third in the AP poll. Interesting to see uh, where they'll be when the committee poll comes out. But uh, it's awesome whenever Bama goes down, man. Yeah, that was a crazy game. I was flipping back and forth with that in the 18-inning game. And... uh caught the end of Tennessee's game and I saw their goalpost going into the river that's right next to the field or something yes. like that. Let's go ahead and get to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week now. We had two polls again this week with MLB playoffs being in full swing and the NFL having a normal work week with all other games going on. We'll start off with the MLB one though. Our four contestants were Bryce Harper, Jordan Alvarez, Jake Cronenworth, and Harrison Bader, all those guys had amazing weeks. Uh, coming in last place was a tie between Jordan Alvarez, who went four for 15 with two homers and seven RBIs, including that crazy walk-off home run in game one of that ALDS series versus the Mariners. And then Harrison Bader, 18.2% as well, four for 14, three homers and four RBIs in that series win for the Yankees against the Guardians. Second place was Jake Cronenworth, who went 7-for-16 with the home run, 5 RBIs. One of those hits being that, not game-winning, but go-ahead base hit in the 7th inning of Game 4 in that ALDS series against the Dodgers. But how could it not be Bryce Harper at number 1, Skyler? 8-for-16 in that series against 
the Braves, two homers, five RBIs. He looked like the $300 million man that the Phillies brought in a couple years ago. We'll talk more about all those guys once we get to the baseball part of our show. But that is the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week for baseball. On to football now. The four guys that we had were Matt Ryan, Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase, and Skyler's very own Quinnen Williams. Yes. We had a tie for last place here as well. Uh, and that's Matt Ryan and Jamar Chase, who each got 21.1% of the votes. Matt Ryan went 42 for 58 with 389 yards and three touchdowns in their thrilling victory over the Jags this weekend. And then Jamar Chase had seven catches, 132 yards, and two touchdowns in his return to the Bayou when they played the New Orleans Saints this weekend, the Cincinnati Bengals did. Second place is Skyler's. Quinnen Williams, who had five tackles, two sacks, one forced fumble, and a block kick in the Jets. Big win over the Packers in Lambeau. But number one was Stephon Diggs, who went crazy against the Chiefs on Sunday with 10 catches, 148 yards, and a touchdown. So Stephon Diggs and Bryce Harper are your market sports players of the week. Tell me about the Jets, though, Skyler. What do you got in the team report? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Jets take down the Packers in Lambeau, 27-10. Uh, the big hero of the day was Quentin <laughs> Williams. Kyle already talked about him, so we'll move on to the rest of the defense. Sauce Gardner looked like, uh, you know, if Quentin Williams is 1A, Sauce is 1B. Man, uh, uh, Rodgers went after him early and had three early deflections, and Rodgers like, nope, he's him. I'm not going after him anymore. But the entire D line is uh, is looking so good right now. It's uh, it's great to see. Even guys like Lamarcus Joyner, who we are ready to write off, are playing excellent coverage right now. And uh, we'll go back to the offense. Zach Wilson didn't really have to do much. If you didn't watch this game and you saw he only had 110 yards, you'd be like, "Oh, this guy sucks." Well, it, it was dumping rain, and they couldn't stop the run. <laughs> Brees Hall, man, 20 carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Michael Carter, 40 yards on the ground, too. And Berrios with a rushing touchdown. Uh, and when Zach Wilson had to take a deep shot, he hit Corey Davis for 40 on a third down when he needed it. And that's all you can ask. Uh, we're playing Denver, who's beaten up next week. I don't expect them to win, but this is a game. If you want to make the playoffs, if you're ready to go, you should win. So I'm ready for that one. Oh, yeah. Jets are 4-2 for... First time probably in about 10 years or so. It's, I don't know uh, the exact year. But yeah, Fitzpatrick yeah. sounds about right there. Raiders, early bye week. They were one of the first teams to have their bye this year with bye week starting in week six. Uh, we did have some bad news, though. Nate Hobbs, broken hand. He's being placed on IR, so he's mm-hmm. going to be out for at least four games. Hopefully, though, we get Anthony Averett back somewhat soon so we're not completely out of depth and just starters in general for that secondary spot with the Raiders. But looking into the future, since we didn't play the game this week, uh, next six games for the Raiders, man, are so huge. Uh, If you win five out of these next six or six out of these next six, you're going to be right back in it. But if you lose more than one, you're pretty much out of it. But it's definitely possible and plausible, perhaps even too, that the Raiders can win five or six of these next six games with them being at home versus the Texans at New Orleans against the Saints, who really don't have anything figured out right now, against the Jags, who are cooled down from their hot start. The Colts is a tough game, but that one is at home. And then at Denver and at Seattle are both winnable games as well. That takes us to December. 
if the Raiders are sitting at a six and five spots or seven and four, I'm going to be more than happy with that because we'd be right back into the race. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and get to where we went right and where we went wrong, where we're talking about our picks from this past week and some of the things that we picked correctly and some of the things that we did not pick correctly. Skyler, why don't you tell me what you picked right and what you picked wrong? Yeah, one of my uh, my only right picks over these past couple of weeks because it's been so crazy. It's got to be the Dodgers uh, not making it to the NLCS. Uh, I was a little scared making this kind of prediction, you know, since they won 111 games. And obviously we'll get more into that series a little later. Uh, but yeah, Dodgers aren't there. So that's that's a big green light for me. And got wrong. It was my big bold prediction of the week. It was Dallas winning at Philly. Uh, you know, they had a chance there at the end, maybe pull off a miracle but it just wasn't enough cooper rush looked awful and uh, they couldn't stop the run yeah where i went right i gotta go with houston in three over seattle we made these alds picks after game one so just after you were done hit that game winning home run and i knew there was there's no way seattle could bounce back for that the veteran presence from houston and just the guys that have been there before you could tell that they were just going to go ahead and take out all that momentum once Jordan hit that home run. Even a lot of people picked them to just win that one game in Seattle. Uh, but I think going Houston in three was probably my best pick this past week. Where I went wrong, though, sticking with baseball, is where I picked the Braves to win the World Series. I did, too. Obviously, they can't win it anymore because Philly took them out this past weekend. And uh, I, Philly, man, they just... They got hot at the right time, and they're still hot. And game one of the NLCS starts in about 30 minutes here. Mm -hmm. Moving on to our fantasy play of the week, where we're talking about fantasy football and perhaps a move that you should make going into week seven. Skyler, tell me about Big Bob Tanyan. Yeah, uh, obviously tight ends have been a big issue this year in fantasy across probably everybody you know. Uh, So this one's simple. Pick up Robert Tanyan. Uh, the Packers just had another injury to their receiver core. Uh, Randall Cobb's going to be out for a while now. So uh, this guy's going to get a lot of targets. He had 10 catches for 90 yards against the Jets. It was pretty much the only thing open. So uh, that's pretty pretty solid play if you're down to, uh, uh, you know, an unfavorable tight end matchup. Yeah, my fantasy play this week is training for top wide receivers who have missed games or struggled to start this year, especially for those people who are sitting at two and four right now or a one and five that kind of need to make that move to get their team out of a hole. And I think those three main guys that guys should be looking for to trade is Keenan Allen, who hasn't played since week one, but should be back in week seven. Amon Ross St. Brown, who missed the game, had a rough week a couple weeks ago and then had his bye week. And for some reason, people like take the PPR rankings and stuff, even from a buy and uh, think, Oh, he didn't have a good week, but he just in general didn't even have mm-hmm. a game. Uh, and then last guy, Mike Evans, who had that big game a couple weeks ago against the chiefs since then, hasn't really done too much, but still provides a good fantasy value. So I'm saying go ahead and trade for those top wide receivers, go get them while you can, because those can be some league winners or some guys that get you into the playoffs. All right. All right. It's finally time to get to where's your head at. We're talking about football in this first segment. Then we're going to do baseball. And then we're going to do halftime. And then we're going to do NBA season preview. So stick with us. 
Uh, and you'll see as we go along here, the first thing that we got to talk about is two offenses that are struggling so far this year. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers still three and three for both these teams. Definitely still in it. And maybe not the division for the Packers. The Vikings look really good right now, but the Bucks definitely are in the division. Uh, but is it time that we panic with these Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers led offenses? Yeah, I think we need to. I'll start with Green Bay here. Uh, Rodgers, after the game against the Jets, said they need to keep simplifying things. This should be, you know, the point in the year with a new group that you should start moving on from that. You know, take your deep shots, try to gain some trust. Uh, like I said earlier, Randall Cobb is out now. And Aaron Jones, who's supposed to be that guy in the offense, had to come out after four snaps because he was tired. Uh, that's a big red flag. We'll move on to Tampa Bay now. I have no idea what's up with them. You know, maybe it's time for Brady Brady to retire. Uh, I'm still not going to count him out because they've had a lot of injuries and other BS this year, and uh, it's not fair to do that. But they're just not as good as their past years. Yeah. Uh, starting with the Packers for me, I am going to start to press pa- panic button. They're only scoring 17.8 points per game so far this season. That ranks 24th in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers doesn't really have that guy to throw to yet. I know Big Bob Tanyan had that 10-catch game last week against the Jets, but they lost by 17 in that game. They have two good running backs, but they don't really use them the greatest. So I'm pressing the panic button. They can get out of that panic button, though, if they win three out of their next four games at least. Uh, And those next four are Washington, Buffalo, Detroit, and Dallas. So two tough games for sure with Buffalo and Dallas. You got to win Washington and Detroit, but if you win either mm-hmm. one of those Dallas or Buffalo games, that's when I'll be like, okay, I shouldn't have panicked. Aaron Rodgers is right. still Aaron Rodgers. As far as the Bucks go, they sit at 20th in the NFL right now with 20.2 points per game. I'm not panicking at all because their biggest divisional competition is the Falcons. And the Falcons are three and three. The Bucks are three and three. I'm taking Tom Brady over Marcus Mariota, regardless of the rest of the team, every single time. So I'm not panicking quite yet. They got a lot more room for air with the weak division. Let's move on to talking about the Falcons and the Seahawks. I know I just said Marcus Mariota, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. There's not as good as Tom Brady, but they look good so far. So do the Seahawks. They both are three and three. So same record as Bucks and Packers, but it feels different three and three. And those other two teams that we were talking about previously are the Falcons and Seahawks actually good and living up to this hyper that they got right now. So the Falcons, I, I don't think they're a bad team, but I do think these past couple weeks say more about the other team. They've been banged up. Obviously San Francisco, probably the most banged up team we've ever seen. Um, but they'll probably come for that division when Brady leaves. I like what Arthur Smith is doing, but it's just not their year. So I'm going to say no uh, Seattle. A uh, little darker here. I think they're just trying to make the best out of a bad situation right now. They still have the lowest strength of schedule in the NFL by a large margin. So they're going to run out of luck here pretty soon. As far as the Falcons go, I think they're going to have a good record, but they won't be a good team. It might be one of those teams that we look back at next year and be like, oh, shit, this team won mm-hmm. nine or ten games. They might have not made the playoffs, but they won a bit of games. That's because, one, they have a weak schedule, and two, they're really good once they have the lead. And that's ironic saying because it's the Falcons that blow a lot of leads, but with how they run the ball, how Mariota's been these last few weeks, if he plays that way the rest of the season, they're not going to blow their 21-point lead that they have been. However, 
I don't think Mariota has that capability if you're down two possessions early to come back and win that game. And I think with some of the offenses that they're playing within the next few weeks, they're not going to get down early. They're going to at least play one possession ball for the majority of the game. And then from there, the run game will kill them in the fourth quarter because the other guys are going to be tired. The Seahawks. I feel like the Seahawks can beat nearly anybody in the NFL right now, but they can also lose to nearly anybody in the NFL right now, just because of how volatile Gino is. I know he's been great, but I still don't want to be like, Oh yeah, I'm putting my franchise into his hands at all times. And I don't think they're going to make the playoffs because the Rams, I think at the end of the day are going to be the team that they're going to have to beat out. And I think the Rams are more likely to figure things out for themselves rather than the Seahawks keep up a 500 record for the rest of the year. So I'm going to say no for both these teams, unfortunately. But good starts and something fun to watch for all those fans. Another hot start for Bailey Zappi. We got to talk about him. Yeah. He's 2-0 in his first two starts as an NFL quarterback with the win over the Browns last weekend. Are the Pats better off with Zappi than they are with Mac Jones? I don't think they're necessarily better off with Zappi, but we can't ignore how good he's been. He's good at football. There's a difference. There's backups who are not good at football. This guy can play football. Uh, Mac will be the starter when he's ready. We know that. But Zappi's not going to make a lot of mistakes if he has to play. My comparison for him coming out of college was Josh McCown. I think that's exactly what he's going to be. He's going to be able to get the job done when needed. But I'm not sure how much further he could take it. So Mac Jones is the guy, but you can't forget about it. You know? Yeah. I mean, Zappi in week six in that game against Cleveland in their blowout win, he was 24 for 34, 309 yards and two touchdowns. In your second game for a rookie quarterback that was taken in the seventh round or something, I'm not sure the exact pick, but he was taken in those later rounds. Four through seven, yeah. Uh, and I don't want to be like that guy that says, oh, yeah, Patriots, late quarterbacks, blah, 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 Tom Brady, all that stuff. But if Mac Jones is out a couple more weeks and they, I mean, right now the Patriots don't have to rush him back. I'll tell you that. Mm. But if they see these next couple weeks and Bailey Zappi's one of them games and he's winning them by a lot, he's not turning the ball over. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Bailey Zappi will be the starting QB for the Patriots by the end of the season. If he doesn't win these next couple games, he looks sloppy, then obviously not. And they just go back to Mac and yeah. we have that whole, uh, like Mike White type situation last year. We're like, oh, this guy's amazing. Yeah, then and all then, of a sudden when he plays a good defense, he throws three picks. Yeah, Exactly. Uh. So we'll see how it ends up going. But if Bailey Zappi wins these next few games while Mac Jones is still out, I'm looking at Bill Belichick, and I'm thinking that he's saying that Bailey Zappi is going to be a starting QB. Let's talk about wow. the Jets, man. We talked, Skyler talked about him, of course, in his team report, as he does every single week. But do the Jets finally have what it takes to end their playoff drought? I'm not sure if it's the longest in the NFL, but it's one of the longest now at this point. Uh, do you think your Jets can do it? And do you think will your Jets do it? Not just can they? I think, yes, they can. I talked about that a little bit with the Denver game. These are the games you need to win uh, coming up. Denver, New England, if you want to make the playoffs. But right now I'm going to say no. Because I think they're a year away. It's still the youngest team in the NFL. But there's something I want you to think about, Kyle. Other than Buffalo, maybe the Chargers, even though I'm not really sold on them. Look at the teams that have been really good this year. Philly, the Giants, 
Dallas, Baltimore, Minnesota, specifically the past couple weeks, other than Buffalo. Oh, they all play really good defense and run the ball primarily. This year, the offensive yardage has been the lowest in like 12 years. I saw someone on NFL Network that tweeted it. Uh, maybe it has something to do with the quarterbacks doing too much. Maybe there's a lack of offensive line. But if this is the future of football, other than the occasional superstar quarterback, then I think the Jets are set up for a very bright future. So let me say, I yeah. think defense and running the ball can really win you games in the regular season. Yeah. Once you get to the playoffs, you have to have that quarterback that can win you a ball game in a late drive, a late two minute drive when you're down by four to seven points and you have a minute 30 with a timeout or two to go score. If you have a quarterback that can win you games in that situation, then you're have the ability to win a Super Bowl. That's something that we just have zero clue about with the Jets right now. We don't have, I don't think, has Edub had a situation where he's had to do that? Not this year. I know this year he hasn't, but yeah. has he? Did he even have that spot last year where he was? I mean, even last year is weird because he didn't have the supporting cast at all. I think he did. He did it against Tampa, but then Brady got a field goal with like thirty seconds left, mm. and that was it. Uh, so but no, yeah. What what you're saying though, you know, it, it would be nice to know if he can do it, uh, but yeah. he hasn't had to yet. Yeah. So it's my like my how point I feel about Philly. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's fair. My my point is that the defense is going to win you some games this this year. The run game is going to win you some games this year. But I have six games circled that will tell if Z-Dub is that guy that can win them games late into the Super Bowl, or not not to the Super Bowl this year specifically, but yeah. in the future years and see if Z-Dub will actually be that guy. And the two games against New England, because regardless of how good a New England team is, the divisional game. Yeah. Bill Belichick's always been good against the Jets. I have the two Buffalo games circled. I don't necessarily need you to think that you need to win those games, but if you win one, the confidence boost like that is something mm-hmm. that's definitely going to be big within the locker room. And I have Minnesota and Miami as well. And I know Skyler has this thing with Miami being bad, bad right now against the Jets. But a Tua team might be a little bit different than a Teddy Bridgewater or Skyler Thompson. Okay. So it's at least going to be close. It's at least going to be that one possession game that you're going to have to go ahead and win by somebody else rather than your defense in the run game. And if they can win those games, or not all of them, but just some of them, I think Z-Dub will be that guy. Uh, so I, they have what it takes, but like Skyler said, probably a 9 or 10 win season yeah. that gets that 7 spot or that 8. So mm-hmm. either just in or just out. That's fine with me. Let's go ahead and move on to baseball now with our AL and NLCS predictions. The NLCS slated to start here in just about over 20 minutes. And we'll start with that one, Skyler. The Padres and the Philadelphia Phillies. What? Who's going to win the series and in how many games? I got the Padres in seven games here. I really like what Philly's doing, but I just think San Diego is a better team. Um, the bullpen is on fire right now. What has it been? 30 something innings. They haven't given up a run. That's going to be the difference maker. I also have the Padres over Philly in seven is the exact prediction that I have as well. I mean, the bats in the series are going to be so fun to watch, whether oh, yeah. regardless of what side it's on. If you're looking at Philly and Castellanos has been good in the playoffs, Schwarber has slowed down, but it's still that big bat. Gene Segura and obviously Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins and those guys. And on the Padres side, you have those two 
mashers right now. Like Juan Soto is had a bad average, but he's raking the ball, man. He's just been super unlucky. Maybe defensive alignment has something to do with that. And then Machado just seems like he's going to hit a double every single time he comes up to the bat. He's going to do something every single time he's up there. Jake Cronenworth's been a stud. Kim's been a stud. Profar's had big hits. Grisham's looked like Babe Ruth in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I just think the Padres are going to do it a little bit better than the Phillies are in the NLCS and take them to the World Series for the first time in the 21st century, I think. Maybe, did they make it in 2000? Padres? Yeah. I don't think so. They made it in either the late 90s or very, very early 2000s. I forget what it was. Uh, But moving on to the ALCS, Houston and the New York Yankees. It's a fun rivalry. Skyler, who do you got in this one and how many games? I got Houston in five. They're going to kick the crap out of the Yankees. Uh, The Houston lineup, other than that that one 18-inning game, doesn't really get cold. Um, But even they pulled that one out somehow. I just – I completely trust Houston. They've all been here before except for Jeremy Pena. I guess. And, uh, it looks like he's been here before though. It, it so does. That. You know, I, I hope it's, it's close, but I, I really don't think so. Yeah. Me and Skyler have been saying this for a while now. Houston's a better team than any team in the AL. And that's going to show this series. New York's tired. Houston's not. Houston showed that the five day rest period that they had from the right end of the regular season to the ALDS did not change a single thing. I think New York's going to get one game in this series and Houston ends up winning it in five. Let's go ahead and do team grades now for the four teams that were eliminated over this past week, starting off with the Seattle Mariners who broke their postseason drought streak at 22 years or whatever it was. First time that they made it in my lifetime. I think they made it when you were like a couple months old or a year old or so, but the Mariners 90 and 72 together. What's your season grade and what's, you're, I guess, an additional note or yeah. something about them. Yeah, I gave Seattle an A here. You know, they ended the droughts. They looks like they found their core for the future, which is cool. And that Castillo trade was massive, man. He's likely going to run it back and go for Cy Young. Uh, so uh, obviously, don't take this for granted, Seattle fans. I'm talking to you, Dilly. You know, you may never get back here ever again, but it's looking good. Yeah. I'm giving it an A plus for the Mariners this year. They broke the streak. They found their franchise centerpiece in Julio Rodriguez, and they got a number one ace in Luis Castillo. We thought perhaps it could have been Robbie Ray when they signed him to start the year. He had a down year, but they did everything that they needed to do to go ahead and get that number one guy that pitches in big games and does not care who's in the opposing dugout to them. And that's Luis Castillo. He dominates games. They have a, Great two, three, four rotation spot if you want to include Ray, Kirby, Gilbert, whoever else you want to throw in a five spot and a great bullpen. Only downside is I think outside of J-Rod and Ty France, maybe Eugenio Suarez, the depth in the lineup isn't quite there right now. Mm. But that's something you can fix. You have a lot of money. You can spend. You have a fan base that's now very intrigued into your team. And I'm uh, giving it Exactly. Still. And and I'm giving them a, an overall A-plus this year for the Seattle Mariners. Moving on to the Guardians, who went 92-70, and 70, won the NL, or not the NL, the AL Central this year, and then ended up getting eliminated to the Yankees uh, just about 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, they're also going to get an A for me. It was a wide-open division. They took it, um, but they got screwed by the weather. Man, it, it sucks. But uh, 
They should be in Houston. Uh, no big free agents to extend, so they're going to run it back too. And uh, I'm proud of them. You know, yeah. I'm not a Guardians fan, but you know, good for them, man. That's an A season. Yeah, playoffs like this is what kind of made us Guardians fans temporarily. Uh, everybody has like their postseason team that they mm. like to watch in each series, and at least in that series against the Yankees, it was definitely the Guardians for me. I'm giving them an A plus this year because they found everything that they needed to find this year. They found a great middle infield duo with Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez. The J-Ram extension paid off immediately. They have some outfield spots that they could fill up. Miles Straw hasn't really turned out the greatest. Stephen Kwan, I mean, that dude's going to be like a top-of-the-order guy yeah. for 10 to 15 years if they want to keep him around for that long. Oscar Gonzalez broke out in the playoffs and now has that clutch player resume name to him now. On the back Their of pitch- his baseball card. Exactly. The pitching rotations, Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie looks like a great top two. And then their farm system is just so deep. Daniel Espino, Gavin Williams. They have a whole bunch of different hitters in their uh in their uh farm system, like Chase Delotter, who they just drafted. Valera. Uh Valera. Well, Brandon was good. They just they got a lot of stuff going on, and they're the youngest team in baseball, and they made the playoffs. So that's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Moving on to the Braves, 101 and 61 for the NL East Division champs. What do you give them? What do you give them, Scott? I don't know what Seb says that. I'm gonna give them an A minus. I understand if you gave them a terrible grade because you felt like this was World Series or bust right now, but you got to remember they just extended Spencer Strider, Michael Harris, Austin Riley. Dansby's probably next, and they're going to be a juggernaut. I know that they probably should have won the World Series this year, but I don't care because they did all these other things perfectly. Yeah, it's I had a very weird time giving this team a grade. This might have been the toughest one to choose out of any team that we've done in these past few weeks. I ended up giving them a B because at the end of the day, they needed to win a World Series for them for them to get an A for me. They didn't do that, but they did, like Skyler said, pretty much everything else perfectly. Mm. They had the top two guys in Rookie of the Year in the NAL, or not the NAL, the NL, with Spencer Strider and Michael Harris. They locked up Austin Riley. They locked up Michael Harris. They locked up Spencer Strider. They locked up and traded for Matt Olsen. They have a guy like Vaughn Grissom that they probably mm. will end up locking up. They have a great rotation. They have everything. And I'll give them a B plus if they end up signing Gansby. Uh, But it does scare me that they haven't given them that contract yet. Because for a team that's very not scared to give out money. Quick on the trigger, yeah. Exactly. To not give out money to a guy like Gansby Swanson is something that is a bit intriguing to me. But uh, we'll see where that goes. And uh, obviously we'll talk more about free agency predictions and stuff like that in the coming weeks. Lastly, before we go ahead and send it to halftime, we got to talk about the Dodgers who won a franchise record 111 games and only lost 51 of them, but they get bounced in four games against the San Diego Padres. I'm going to give them a B minus. They dominated the regular season once again, but I don't know what else they need to do here. Are are they just unlucky or is it just uh, not a tight group? Cause there's pieces coming in and out of the organization every year. Uh, 
I really don't know what to think with the Dodgers. They they could be losing some other key guys like Trey Turner. I give him an F. I That's think fair. it's uh I only had two words here on like a note about him. I just said that you lost. Yeah. You know, with a roster like this, you can't you can't do anything but win the World Series. And it is either an F or an A plus year. Or maybe if something weird happened with the umpires, you get a different grade. But that didn't happen. Mm. They get an F. Sure, they have Freddie Freeman. Sure, they have Mookie Betts. Sure, they have a good farm system. Sure, they have a good rotation. But this is going to be the second straight year where they probably lose a franchise shortstop. They lost Corey Seager last year. He had a somewhat down year in Texas, but he's still amazing. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to lose Trey Turner this year, and he's downright amazing. It's just they might lose Bellinger. I know Belly hasn't really been as good the last few years, but at some point he's going to turn it up to be an 800 OPS hitter or something mm. like that. Like it's, I don't see any, anything good with this right now. You know, you, you get an F that's, that's all I got. Let's go ahead and send it to halftime. All right. All right. Welcome to halftime. We're going to start it off with NFL injuries. Of course. And there's even more of them. We'll start it off with the hero of Monday Night Football. Dustin Hopkins was dealing with a hamstring strain. and He played anyways, but now he's going to be out two to four weeks. Uh, also from that game, though, Russell Wilson considered day-to-day trying, uh, the quote, trying to push through to play against the Jets next week. It's shocking to me. I, Kyle uh, reminded me that injury was from when he played against the Raiders, and now it's uh, all of a sudden acting up again. Uh, maybe uh, Denver just wants to get a new quarterback in there, huh? Yeah, I don't know about that. They got a couple more years, plus a couple more years, plus a couple more years of contract with Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's uh, very interesting. Uh, Saints rookie receiver Chris Alave says he cleared concussion protocol. He's playing Thursday night against the Cardinals. Good for him. The Bucks lose another defensive back. Sorry, were you going to say something? Nope. Oh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> Logan Ryan, Bucks DB, going on IR foot surgery not going to miss the entire year though if you all i guess another monday night football uh they misordered it on bleacher report aaron patrick the linebacker i don't know if you saw this play he was going out of bounds on a punt and he got taken out by a personnel member he ended up take uh taking out himself and tore his acl that's the fifth bronco acl tear this year it's crazy man yeah um some more stuff here about Russell Wilson. Sorry, Hufunga, 49er safety in concussion protocol, still up in the air. Uh, that's been the Niners' best defensive player so far this year since everyone's been hurt. Uh, I've been talking to some people. They don't like how Fred Warner's been playing, which is shocking. But uh, losing this guy, too, not good. Uh, the Falcons place corner Casey Hayward on IR, former Raider legend. Uh, tough for the Falcons, who have been playing better this year. Tua expected to play Sunday night football against the Steelers. Um, like Kyle was saying, you know, we'll get a better understanding of what the Dolphins actually are once Tua's back in. And uh, the Rams are going to lose their starting left tackle, Joe Noteboom, with an Achilles tear. Uh, those are pretty much all the notables for me this week, uh, other than, well, I guess Dak Prescott. Um, looks like he's coming back against the Lions next week. So, uh, 
That would be interesting. And also D-Hop, uh, back from suspension, Hollywood Brown, doubtful. Yeah, Robbie Anderson, man. Yeah, Robbie Anderson there after he threw a fit with Steve Wilkes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it worked, right? He did exactly what he wanted to do. Said something about six years in the league and hasn't made the playoffs. I mean, I don't know if he's going to make it in Carolina, or not Carolina, in Arizona, but he's got a damn better chance than he did mm. in Carolina, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the uh, college football games from this weekend. Kyle said it was an awesome Saturday, not only for baseball, also football. We talked about Tennessee taking down Bama, but that Utah-USC game was just as good, man. Utah comes back, beats the Trojans 43-42. to Cam Rising, um, Utah quarterback, was a former Lincoln-Riley recruit and uh, must have felt good to whoop his defense. Michigan with a big statement win over Penn State. At home, uh, the running backs, Edwards and Corum, both had 160 yards and two touchdowns. That's pretty nuts. Um, Ole Miss with Jackson Dart stays undefeated. Big win over Auburn, scoring 48 points. TCU wins a double overtime at home against Oklahoma State. We'll get it more into that one later. It was one of my bets. Um, but TCU stays undefeated. Their first place in the Big 12. And Syracuse. Also staying undefeated for the first time in forever, 24 to 9 win over NC State. But it was their backup quarterback. So we'll have to, you know, keep an eye on them. And interesting week. Uh, don't have a Heisman watch this week, but I got something I think is a little better. It's the mock draft 1.0. Let's go. I sent it to Kyle, uh, but I, he probably doesn't remember all of them. So I remember just, one pick. It's an important one. We'll, we'll, we'll go through the top 10 first. Number one, Carolina Panthers. I have them taking C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. I don't know if he'll be the best quarterback, uh, but right now that's what I'm hearing. He'll be the top guy. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. And number two with the Raiders, it's Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher from Alabama, the best player in the class. Uh, I'm sure Kyle's hyped about that, but I'm sure he also wants to get back in the playoff race too. Yeah. It's true. Number Will three. Anderson will be cool, yeah. though. I will say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Before this this season happened with the Jets, I was like, you know what? Yeah, maybe we lose a couple extra games and don't win six. We win three again. Exactly. Uh, there's there's a lot of guys in this class, especially towards the top 10 to 15. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe, maybe being bad for this year isn't the worst case scenario. It is an absolutely stat class. Uh, well, we got number three. The Lions get the quarterback of the future with Bryce Young from Alabama. That's interesting to me. Goff started off great, but, you know, they're going to need a guy at some point. Yep. Number four, I got the Texans taking Miles Murphy, edge rusher from Clemson. Uh, massive dude who is quick, too. The Eagles at number five via New Orleans. Big Crazy. mistake, New Orleans, because the Eagles are going to get another Georgia D lineman, Jalen Carter. Another guy who's possibly the best player in this class compared to Quinn and Williams. That'd be crazy. Uh, number six, the Texans, again, via Cleveland. Jackson Smith Najiba, receiver from Ohio State. Again, I don't know if he'll end up being the top guy because he's been hurt all year, but this is where he's projected, top receiver. Number seven, Seattle via the Broncos. Brian Brzee, D-tackle from Clemson, and just another blue chipper to stick on that team that doesn't have a lot of them. They need to rebuild it. The Steelers at number eight get their left tackle, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. The Cardinals at number nine finally get a DB and Keely Ringo from Georgia. 
And the Jags at number 10. Just some more protection for Trevor Lawrence. Olu Bashanu, tackle from Penn State. Uh, remember that name because right now he's not on a lot of boards, but this dude is a uh, mauler. And uh, we'll go through some other notables here. Uh, number 12, I got the commander sticking Hen and Hooker, quarterback from Tennessee. He's a little older, but uh, so is Ron Rivera. <laughs> and they don't mind him. So could be a good fit. The Falcons, the next pick actually, taking Bijan Robinson from Texas. I think if uh, Arthur Smith gets his pick at any of these offensive players, uh, he's going to be really high on the list, right? Um, other note, Packers finally get a receiver. Kayshawn Boutte from LSU. Um, the Jets, I have them taking Antonio Johnson, uh, DB from Texas A&M. He's massive, uh, six foot three, kind of like Sauce, except he's better in zone. So I think we play him at free safety. That's why I like that. And I have the Bills, unfortunately, taking Jameer Gibbs running back from Alabama. It seems like a, a pretty perfect fit for those guys. Um, you know, my my biggest takeaway from this exercise is that we're finally not at the top of the mock draft, uh, which is really cool. That is cool. Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you, but. Uh, no, it's all good, you know, man. It's a change. You know, it is. It's cool. I got to actually try to, you know, predict who's going because we're not the team that's uh, affecting the entire draft like usual. Yeah. All right. Moving on to our pick standings now after week six. Well, we'll talk about week six specifically first. Another rough week for Skyler, and this time is a rough week for Alex as well as they both tie for last place with seven out of 14 Brett came in second place with 9 out of 14 picks correct. And I got first this week, 11 out of 14 picks there. So the W goes to me. It's such a weird second year. straight week. Uh, next up, full year picks. The standings are right now, first off, Skyler and last, unfortunately, 51 out of 83. Brett in second to last, a.k.a. third place, with 55 out of 83 picks correct. Alex comes in second place now with 58 out of 83 picks correct. And then I'm coming in first, overtaking Alex with 60 out of 83 picks correct. And that does it for our pick standings now. Let's go ahead and send it to our NBA season preview. Starting off with our top 10 seeds in each conference. We're not going to go too in-depth with each team because we don't want to bore you for – you know, two hours or so, whatever it may be. So maybe just to say the team. And if you have something special that you want to talk about with them, say, say, it. you know, uh, right. but starting off in the West, the number 10 seed Skyler, who do you got here? I got Sacramento. They should be a lot better this year. Uh, just not really enough to do anything crazy. There's just, there's going to be a lot of teams tanking for Victor, man. And uh, yeah. the Kings, I think are above that, you know, at 10, I actually have Utah. I think just Utah is going to be a place where they still lose a lot of games, but not as loud as the Thunder, not as much as the Kings, not as much as the Spurs and a couple other teams in the in the West. The nine seed. Nine seed, going with the Timberwolves. Uh, they're going to play some great defense this year and a lot of iso ball, and it's going to be weird. They're going to beat teams they shouldn't and lose to teams they shouldn't, and they're going to get right here in the play-in again. <laughs> Yeah, the West is stacked. I think one through nine, uh, except for a couple teams at the top, you can really scramble around and not be wrong at any point and really say, hey, why the hell do you have that team there? Yeah. But uh, number nine, I have Dallas. 
I think that addition of Christian Wood is good, but I just don't think they're as deep as some of the other teams in the West. Number eight. Going with the Lakers. They're old, man. Yeah. Number eight for me is going to be where I find the Timberwolves here. I think they're going to be improved uh, as far as like a postseason feel to it. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be able to handle some of the better teams better. But I just don't think things are going to go right just because that's how things go in Minnesota. Number seven. I got the Suns here at seven. Again, you know, there's nothing really wrong with them. It's just a pretty crazy West this year. Number seven for me is going to be the Lakers. I think they get a little bit more right this year compared to how they were last year, uh, but still not that good. And they're still going to have to fight for a playoff spot by going into the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six. So the first guaranteed team in a uh, series. Uh, number six, I'm going to go with the Pelicans. You know, I really like what I see from them. I, I'm hoping Zion has a, a big comeback year and stays healthy. Yeah, number six for me is also going to be the Pelicans. I think they're really good teams. It's not as good as some of the top four yeah. or five teams in the West. And they're just not as proven. So I couldn't put them over some of the other teams that have been there before. Number five. Number five, going to go with the Grizzlies. Uh, they're going to try to run it back because they have a really young team. And uh, they're going to be pretty good. Jay Cronenworth just made a crazy play to save a run from Bryce Harper getting a base hit. I should turn that first. on. Uh, a play in short right where he dives out to his right on the backhand and flips it over from his knees back to first base where Will Myers makes the pick. Crazy wow. play. But my number five <laughs> spot is the Denver Nuggets, who are a good team, man. If they yeah. get guys back healthy, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., they're going to be up there with all these teams in the West. Number four. Number four, going to go with the Mavericks here. Like you said, you know, not – the biggest moves ever, but I think it's going to be just enough. Luca's going to do his thing. Number four for me is where I'm going to find the Suns. Again, another good regular season team. I don't really think they have what it takes to do it in the playoffs this year with kind of how the chemistry has kind of fallen apart over there in Phoenix, but uh, still a good enough team to win probably 50 games. Moving on to number three. Number three, going with the Nuggets. Uh, you know, if this team's healthy, they're going to be so good. And that's why they're three. I, I think they're going to get it done, finally. Number three for me is going to be Memphis. They're a really good squad. Uh, Jeremy Jackson, Desmond Bain, John Moran, of course. I hate them all, but they're a good squad. Number two. Number two, going to go with the Clippers. I, I another team. I think they're going to be pretty healthy. I and, know. Uh, Guys aren't going to notice this because <laughs> they don't have the, the video, but Skyler just put on a Clippers hat like he got drafted to them, or as you said, them. Uh, but good pick, Skyler. Thank you. Uh, number two for me is where I'm going to put the Warriors. I just, I mean, the Warriors aren't going to go crazy in the regular season. They're going to win a lot of games, but this team doesn't care about the regular season as much as they do the playoffs. They're not going to be overly playing Steph, you know, 40 minutes a night. They're not going to be playing guys a ton. Uh, and I think the dubs are going to be just fine. Get the number two spot. Number one. I'm giving it to the Warriors. Uh, I'm usually pretty cautious about my teams, trying not to overrate them. But after last year, how can I not? They're going to be so much better than last year. And they're coming off of a ripping title run. Yeah. Number one for me is where I'm going to put the Clippers. I think this team as a preseason, is going to be the best regular season team. They got a lot of depth. If John Wall, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard stay healthy throughout the season, they're going to win a lot of games in the first 82. Moving on to the East now, we'll talk about our four playing teams to start. The number 10 seed, who do you got here, Skyler? 
I'm going to go with the Bulls. Uh, another team that's still trying to get back on track, trying to get healthy. Uh, so they're going to make the, the 10, but I got to wait and see what they do after that. Number 10 for me was a toss-up between the Knicks and the Hornets. I end up going with the Hornets just because I think LaMelo Ball is going to be a better leader than R.J. Barrett or Julius Randle. Number nine. Yeah, number nine is where I go with the Knicks here. Um, another team I'll be rooting for, I think they'll be a little better, but uh, they're going to have to prove it for sure in the plan. Of course. Number nine for me is where I'm going to take the Bulls. I think they're going to be a good regular season squad, but have some of the similar struggles that they did last year where they just couldn't beat a top team like Philly, Milwaukee, or Brooklyn. Number eight. Number eight is where I'm going to go with the Nets. Uh, this is a dysfunction junction right now, and I can't give them a high seating knowing what's going on or not knowing what's going on, I guess. Interesting. Number eight for me, I went with Toronto. I think they're a very deep squad, uh, one of the deepest teams in all the NBA. They don't really have that one standout star as of right now, but somebody will break out. Uh, and probably make an all-NBA team in the first, second, or third, whatever it may be. Uh, but I have them at the eighth spot fighting in a plan. Number seven. Number seven, I'm going to go with Miami here. Uh, again, it's there's nothing really wrong with them. They're just a little older. They lost some uh, some of their bench pieces like P.J. Tucker, who's not really a bench piece, but, you know, a grinder like that. They're going to miss him. Number seven for me is where I have the Hawks. They made one of my favorite moves in the offseason, get into Jonte Murray. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. Uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch, that's for sure. I just don't think they stack up well against some of the teams like Philly, Brooklyn, or Milwaukee. On to the top six now with uh, these teams that are guaranteed to make a uh, playoff series, I guess. Mm-hmm. So number yeah. six. Number six, I have Atlanta. Uh, I think having that extra ball handler and, and creator on the floor is going to get him over that hump. Number six for me is where I have Cleveland. A uh, really deep team, just like the Horn- not the Hornets, the Raptors, but they have that star in Donovan Mitchell and uh, Darius Garland. A guy like Evan Mobley could break out to be a superstar as well. Uh, and so I have Cleveland here in a stacked top five team East. Number five. Number five, I'm going to go with Philly. I think this team's not really worried about the regular season uh, and stars who have had big injuries before in the past. So maybe they it's just really close and they miss out by three games from the two seed, something like that. You know, that's not personal again. Number five for me is where I'm going to put the Celtics. I think they're going to get off to a slow start with this year with no Ime Adoka. Uh, they're intern head coach i don't know his name but i know he's the youngest head coach in all of the nba right now and i think that lack of experience might not be the best thing for this team who is still young uh and i know jason tatum's a great leader same thing with jalen brown but they went to the finals last year and sometimes it's tough to get back there Uh, i think the regular season might be a little tough for them and that's why i have them get in the five spot on to number four Number four, I'm going to go with Toronto here. Uh, Another team I really like what they're doing. They play great defense and shoot. And that kind of team does really well at the end of the regular season playoffs, you know. Number four for me is going to be Miami. Kind of just kept the roster that they had last year, and their last year's roster was good. And I think they're going to be just fine this year and cruising to like a number four or five spot this year. 
What about Mo or not Milwaukee? What about the number three seed? Sorry, I kind of just gave up my my three spot there. But uh, what do you got there? With three. All good. Number three is where I have Boston. Uh, this team's too good to float. You know, even with a young head coach, I feel like someone will step up. So I gave him the nod over some of the other younger teams. Number three, I have Milwaukee because I kind of hinted at that. Uh, I think this team's going to be great. I just think the regular season is something that's not going to be taken as seriously as the playoffs are because they had guys get hurt in the playoffs last year, like Chris Middleton, who wasn't able to play in that series and where they got eliminated. So I think they take the regular season not as seriously, make sure that they're ready for the playoffs and healthy for that because that's what matters most uh, and still get a top four seed where they get to host the series. Number two, Skyler, who do you got? Number two, I have Cleveland. I think this team is very capable of taking a Memphis-type jump up to the top here, and uh, they're going to be fun to watch for sure, young guards. Number two is where I have the Nets. I think that trio of Ben Simmons, Kyrie, and KD is going to be really, really good once they all all get on the court. That exact date where they get all on the court is kind of uncertain because they're all healthy, they're all not healthy, whatever it may be. But the Nets are studs, man. And if they get those three guys on the court, they're going to be one of the best trios in the league. Number one, who do you got here? I still have Milwaukee. I understand what you're saying, and it makes a lot of sense. I did the same thing with some other teams here, but uh, they're still going to run it, man. Yeah. Number one, with the way how things are going in Philly right now, I got to take the Sixers. Regardless if it's the Eagles, the Phillies, the Sixers, things have just gone perfect yeah. for them in the last two, three months now at this point. So Got I'm taking the flyers, them. Man. I think I – who gives a fuck right now about the Flyers? But uh, <laughs> who gives a flying fuck about the Flyers? That's Very what we nice. got. But uh, Arden, I mean, I know it's only been a quarter. He's actually looked really good in this first quarter for the Sixers. Yeah, That's the first quarter in game one of 82. But if he can go back to not 36 points per game, Harden, but just a 24, 25 points per game with that eight or nine assists, he's going to have a great center. He's going to have great additional pieces in Tyrese Maxey and Tob- Tobias Harris. They added Montrose Harrell in the offseason as well. I think the East is going to run through Philly as far as the regular season goes. All right. Let's do the awards now, Skyler. Yeah. Uh, we have Coach of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Most Improved, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and MVP. Coach of the Year, Skyler, who do you got? I'm going to go with Jason Kidd. I like Jason Kidd. He is from Cal. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. No. Uh, Dallas is really good. I, I think uh, I think Luca, you know, with or without – uh, it's a perfect system. And, yeah. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say? I, I, I get it. You know what I'm trying to I'm say? I'm going with Ty Lue as coach okay. of the year. I think uh, if you get the number one seed in the West, that's going to be good enough, especially if it's if it's a somewhat new team like the Clippers. Sixth man of the year. It's got to be Jordan Poole, right? I mean, c- come on, man. This is the best player by far, uh, you know, available to be selected here, right? Yeah, I feel bad going for the betting favorite, but I am also going for Jordan Poole as the sixth man of the year. Most improved players, Skyler. Um, for the definition of the award, it's Jalen Brunson. I think he's going to be uh, pretty good in New York, and I like him a lot. But for the voters' definition of it, it's going to be Anthony Edwards. 
I'm going with Zion. Okay. I think uh, he was really, really good in his first couple years that he was yeah. healthy. Obviously, he didn't play at all last year, and his health before that has been skeptical as well. But if he's healthy and on the court, he's going to average 29 to 30 points per game. He's just so dominant. Nobody's going to be able to stop on him. If he can make free throws this year, not even shooting at 90%, but say shoot 75%, Zion's going to win that award. I also really like Anthony Edwards, one of my favorite players in the league. Next up, rookie of the year. This one's a weird one because yeah. all the rookies are on teams that suck. And there's no chat this year, unfortunately. And it seems like a lot of the guys outside of the top two or three picks are a lot of like wing players and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go with a wing player. I'm going to go with Benedict Matherin. Uh, I think he's going to get a lot of minutes in Indiana. We saw this last year with um, with Duarte. And this guy's a flyer, man. He's going to have so many highlight plays. It's going to be hard not to vote for him. Yeah, Benedict Matherin's a really good pick there. He's probably my second choice, but I decided to go with Paulo Bancaro because he's the number one pick. He's going to be the guy in Orlando, I guess, for the time being. And uh, he's a stud, of course. Deep boy. Who do you got here? I'm going to go with Anthony Davis here because if he's healthy, it seems like a really obvious pick. And maybe uh, this is just me being too hopeful, but I think he's going to be healthy this year. Depoy for me, I I, I hate picking this award, man. It's yeah. such, it feels like it's a very boring award to pick. Uh, I decided to go with Giannis, though. I think he is going to be mad this year about how his season ended last year. And I know he's going to rest some games, like I was saying before. But in the games that he's playing, he's going to get two, three blocks. He's going to get two or three steals. That's how I feel uh, about my guy, too. If, if he's out there, he's going to make plays. Exactly. Know? So I got Giannis. Kelly's got AD. Let's go to the MVP. My MVP is going to be Giannis. Uh, you know, I have a little little spoiler there. I think something's going to happen with Luka uh, so he doesn't get it. And I think Giannis gets a nod over Jokic this year. I don't know why, but uh, Giannis, like you said, he's he's going to be hungry, man. Yeah. Jokic is a very good choice. I think he's going to have to do a bit less this year because Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. being on the court. Uh, but I went with Embiid. If they're the number one seed in the East, Embiid's yeah. going to be the main guy there. So I went with him at the MVP. Let's go ahead and do a finals pick. We're not doing our full NBA playoffs because that would be a really tough and long and tedious thing to do. So your finals pick, who's winning? Over who and in how many games? Again, you know, I'm not, I usually don't do this, but I have every reason to believe the Warriors are going to repeat right now. Obviously, the Draymond stuff is not ideal, but we've been through a whole lot worse with Kevin Durant, man. So I got the Warriors over the Bucks in six games. Yeah. I mean, I like the dubs. I think I picked them last year. I'm picking them again here. Dubs. I thought you were crazy last year, by the way, but you were right on it. Yeah, can't can't doubt Steph, man. Yeah. Uh, but Dubs over the Bucks. Watch out for these guys, games. though. He's pointing to his Clipper hat. <laughs> Let's get away from that. Let's get to our bets, our layups, our bold predictions from last week. Two for four for me and Skyler. We each got one right, each got one wrong. Uh, I got my layup wrong, which was Niners minus five and a half versus Atlanta. They did not play well. They were more injured than what I thought, uh, and so that's tough there. Skyler had Oklahoma State plus four points against TCU. That, of course, ended up hitting. 
And then this week I have the Colts and Tennessee over 43 and a half last game that they played hit 41. I think these two offenses kind of got themselves together now at this point. And uh, I think game's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, I'm going to go with Oklahoma state covering again, for some reason, they're underdogs at home against Texas. So they're plus six and they, they've been my team this year. Every year I find a college football team last year, it was Georgia. They ended up winning the whole thing year before it was Tulsa. But uh, you know, I find these teams that cover for me every single week. So I'm going to stick with them. Moving on to our bull predictions. This is where I got my one, right. And Skyler got his one wrong. So flip of the layups. I had the giants plus 190 over Baltimore last week. That did hit. Thank you, Lamar Jackson, for not playing smart in the last three minutes of that game and giving me that dub there. And then Skyler had Dallas over Philly. Still a close game, but Philly ended up getting the dub, moving up to 6-0. So that's a red there for Skyler. This week I have the Seattle Seahawks over the Chargers at plus 225 right now, so another big dog. And I'm taking them here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Giants to win at Jacksonville. Uh, You know, again, another one that shocked me that Jacksonville was favored, but I understand it's a huge trap game. I just think Jacksonville sucks. I think they got lucky early in the year, you know, Yeah, with the Giants. It'll probably be something, that game, the Giants game, is probably something I'll put money on because, I mean, why not, right? It's a 5-1 and team in Jacksonville who has a shitty fan base as far as, like, fans turn out and stuff like that. There's going to be a lot of New York fans there. And exactly. Jacksonville's looked like shit for a while now at this point. So good picks by me and Skyler, hopefully. Uh, but that's going to do it for episode 110. Episode 111, the triple one. Yeah. Coming out next week. Uh, so look for that next Tuesday. We'll probably be talking about the World Series. Talking about the NBA headlines in the first week or so. Talking about football after week seven. Will offenses in the NFL be fixed by next week, Kyle? No. It's a good answer. All right. Just said maybe. <laughs> well, we'll see you guys next week. Go Jets. Go Jets, man. Four and two. <laughs>